This is the TFA Jokeland Podcast. We exist so that people far from God can experience fulfilled life in Christ. So we're in the series called The Quest, and I believe that every person has, has been, was created with a, pur- a purpose. That when Jesus called us to follow after him, uh, there's, a, there's a destiny, there's a divine destination that God has intended for us. And I think that there are many times in our life, whether through trauma or pain or just sheer, uh, we just get caught up and lost in the ebbs and flows of life. We can actually lose sight on the very thing that God created us for. And I believe that in this room right now, there are a lot of successful people. But there is a lot of a lot of, in our hearts, there's this still growing, groaning and yearning to say, God, there must be more that you have for me. Lord, that it's not just getting a 401k, it's not just making more cash, it's not just making sure that all of my relationships are in alignment. All of those things are great, but God, there must be something more. And I believe that is the very essence of the kingdom of God that is drawing you to say, God, what more do you have for me? There's something that God wants to do, and I believe all of us are on this quest, and it's a good idea not to go through life by yourself, but you should be connected with other people. We live in a most socially driven society, but more people are alone than ever before. Because we weren't created to live life alone. We weren't created to fight the battles. We weren't created to fight dragons, whether figuratively or literally, if there is any literal dragons. But if you have that problem, you need some help. So God never intended for us to go through these things alone. And I believe that in every story, in every epic adventure, there is this thing that someone is fighting for. They're looking for the treasure. They're looking for the loot. They're looking for the prize. They're looking for the chalice, the the talisman, the ring, whatever it takes in order for them to stand and raise their hand in victory that they have fulfilled the very quest that they set out on. But in our lives, there is a treasure that God calls us to pursue after. Believe it or not, every single one of us, we are treasure chasers. Whether it's money, whether it's status, whether it's the attention of some person, of some girl or some guy, we are all chasing some treasure. But the thing is, we can get distracted and begin to chase the wrong treasures. We can find ourselves wandering or drifting from the true treasure that is in the kingdom of God. And Jesus wants us to live a life that is fulfilled. But we have to set our focus on true treasure, the things that matter. At the end of our life, we're going to stand before God and give an account for everything that we've done. And God is going to ask us this, what did you do with my son? What did you do for people? And at the end of our lives, it won't be what we have in our bank. It won't be all of the possessions that we've accumulated. But one thing will matter. God, what did we do with the life that you've given us? What did we, how did we show people? How did we love people? And in Timothy, Paul begins to address a young uh, church planter. And maybe that's the reason why I chose these verses. But he begins to talk to a young church planter that is in this season where he's coming against a culture that is possessed by possessions. They are fixated about accumulating more and more things. You have to understand that in this day and age, for, for Timothy, as Paul is writing this letter, this is a young pastor, and he is, he is reaching a providence, an offshoot of the Roman Empire, a church that has started in Ephesus. This is probably one of the, the known reasons why we have Christianity today because of this church that was started in this city. And Paul begins to address this young pastor, and he says, hey, there's some things that I want you to get in order. There's some things that I want you to take into consideration as you're pastoring people. And so for today, I'm going to pretend to be Timothy, and I'm just going to relay what the Bible tells us to do. I'm just going to go into it because there's things in our lives and even in my own life that God wants to challenge us and change us. And so for the sake of time, let's jump onto the screens. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, and then I'll kind of backtrack a little bit after this. But Paul tells Timothy this. He says, but you, Timothy... You, Timothy, I'll add that in there, 
are a man, a woman of God. So run from all these evil things, pursue righteousness and a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Look at your neighbor and say, fight the good fight. It says, hold tightly to eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before witnesses. And I charge you before God, who gives life to all, and before Christ Jesus, who gave a good testimony before Pontius Pilate, that you obey this command without wavering. Then no one can find fault with you from now until our Lord Jesus Christ come, comes again. For at just the right time, Paul begins to shift the language and he begins to say, we're talking about present time. What do we do in these moments? But if we're going to live a life chasing true treasure, we have to take into consideration that as a part of the Christian faith, we believe that Jesus not only walked the earth, but when he died and he rose again, that he is coming back. He is returning for his people. And a part of that, it creates this anticipation. It creates this hope that all of our pain, all of our fatigue, all of the things that we've exerted will actually one day find relief when those clouds part. And Jesus says, you are my son. You are my daughter. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And so Paul begins to remind Timothy of the true treasure that we have in Jesus. And he says in verse 16, he alone can never die, and he lives in light so brilliant that no human can approach him. No human eye has ever seen him, nor ever will, and all honor and power to him forever. Amen. And he says this, verse 17, teach those who are rich in the world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Can I get a good amen on that? Amen. How many guys got some unreliable dollars? Those dollars just be just, I'll see you next week, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> He says this, their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Just a disclaimer, we're not doing a building fund. So someone's like, I knew it. This was, a, I wasn't, I'm not coming back. <laughs> chill out, chill out. You're good. He says this, always being ready to share with others by doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life, true treasure Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. And I ask this, God, that our hearts will get in alignment with what you've called us to do. Lord, even in the most formidable years and days of this church, we pray that we would be chasers of the presence of God. That our pursuits, Lord, is beyond career, beyond status, beyond recognition. But Lord, to please you, to know that we have pleased God, that our lives are a sweet aroma to you, Lord. And I ask that you would give me the wisdom, give me the focus, give me the clarity that I need in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You know, when Jesus walked the earth, he was telling his disciples in Matthew chapter 6, which is some of these verses that are so cool. They're so sweet. But Jesus said these words in Matthew 6, verse 21. He says, wherever your treasure is, your heart will follow. And so many times we, we live in a culture where we think our heart, our desires is the very thing that is leading us. But truth be told, I think our finances really do determine a lot of the decisions that we make. It really determines a lot of the pursuits that we have. And as I was thinking about this, I was reminded when I first started dating my wife, Lonnie, my, my, my beautiful wife, Lonnie. She was up here singing, just looking all cute. She's got a little dress on. I like it. Got your hair all did. I like it. But we don't have like this typical love story. I remember when I first set eyes on her and she first set eyes on me, she did not like me. She was actually disgusted with my presence. I had to show her what I was, who I was, Big Daddy. No, I'm just joking. 
But I remember when we started to, to get, get close and become friends and we started to go on dates and there would be moments where I would take her out to the movies and, you know, our hearts just started to click and I started to identify and I was like, oh, I like this girl. I like her. This is the one. And I had spoiled enough relationships to realize a good thing when I found it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like you didn't mess up a bunch of times. You're like, okay, you ain't going nowhere. I'm locking you down. You're but I remember there were these moments, you know, we would go on dates. We went horseback riding. I was like $200 to ride on some horses. We went to the movies, and that was like $60 plus my firstborn child. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Popcorn in a movie. You're like, girl, this is going to work, okay? Divorce is not an option. As much money I didn't invest in you. But the more moments, the more experience, the more that we've invested into each other, our hearts became more and more combined and clicked and connected to where I was like, man, this is the love of my life. I'm so invested in her. I'm so infatuated in her. I still love her. You're still awesome. I don't know you're, why you're with me. You should run while you still have an opportunity. No, you don't have an opportunity because the Bible says don't do that. So you're stuck. But I invested so much to where... I have this hope, this desire in my heart that that's my treasure. And the funny thing is, whatever your treasure goes, your heart follows. And here's the crazy thing about treasure. You start to become like the treasure you chase. It's true. Because I do things for my wife that I would never do. I watch TV shows that I should never be watching. Why? That's my treasure. And I've chased her and I will not let her go. I know, that's awesome. I earned a lot of points on that one. I earned a lot of points on that one. I need those points right now. But the crazy thing is, you become whatever treasure you chase. And what Jesus was trying to establish with his disciples in Matthew chapter 6 is this. There is going to always be treasure in life that will entice you, that will demand your attention. But if you're not careful, you can succumb to the, the evil desires, the evil temptation that will lead you astray. And you can invest in the wrong thing and you'll wake up one day and you realize, why did I do this? I invested in the wrong treasure. I put my heart where it never should have been. And Paul reiterates the same thing that Jesus tells us. Be careful where you put your treasure because your heart will follow. So the question I have for you this morning is where is your treasure? <laughs> Text him right now. Tell him he needs this word right now. Where is your treasure? You see, the thing is about a Christian faith is our quest ends with the treasure, but it's avoiding traps that help us to see the true treasure we have in Jesus. And the first thing that we have to understand through Paul's teaching that we want to recognize is this. There are traps in your life. Not just a trap house. We got a couple of those, but there is a trap. There are traps in your life. And there are a few things that Paul warns us about the traps that we need to be careful of. The first thing that we have to understand this is that the pursuit for more is a trap. The pursuit to accumulate more things, more possessions, more status, more posts, more likes, more double taps, more Yelp bookmarks, all of those things. It's a never ending trap that we could fall in. And our culture promotes, you got to have more. You don't have enough. You don't have enough followers. You don't have enough friends. You don't have enough playlists. You don't have enough cash. You don't have enough kids. You don't have enough boyfriends. You don't have enough. There's always this pervasive thing that you don't have enough. And Paul says, it's a trap. But here's the thing. Even Christians, those that claim to follow Jesus, sometimes fall in those traps. And the first trap that we see that Paul begins to talk about this is there's this lie that we fall into that the best are the most blessed. That the more you do, the more God will favor you. 
That is a lie that voids us of the grace of God. And it's a trap that many Christians fall in that if I give more, God will bless me more. If I serve harder, God will like me more. No, 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 no. That's not how the kingdom of God works. God says that I love you while you were still a sinner. I call you a son and daughter. You belong to me. And out of this relationship, it is both legal and loving. It's a covenant, but it's not based on your works and your activity. You see, there's a lot of messages that, that are a false gospel that preach a prosperity based on what you do. No, 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 no. We are prosperous because of what we have in Jesus Christ. We're prosperous because my, my soul is no longer headed to hell, but my soul is in the hands of God. And I know that I'm a child. And all of the dumb mistakes that I've made, all of the corrupt, weird, whack, wicked things that I've done, God still loves me? It's not about the best are the most blessed. It's a trap that many Christians fall into. Now, this doesn't exempt you from following and serving Jesus. Paul begins to address that in the first part of the chapter. He's talking about slave owners and masters, and this was a different time and a different period. But what he's saying is, is this, and this is so amazing. Just because it's Black History Month, I'll give you this freebie. The gospel actually corrodes the institution of slavery. Because the gospel was actually commanding both slave owners and slaves to come together in the house of God. And they had to lay aside their mentality, their agenda, their position. And they had to call each other's brothers, sisters, fathers, and mothers. And so the gospel in its grace actually corrodes racism. And Jesus says, this is my kingdom that I'm building. And as they were coming together, Paul says, no, when you work, when you go to your job, you actually do it unto God. Because it's not about pleasing people or getting a pat on the back, even from a pastor, but it's about pleasing God. These are the most precious and truest treasures that you can chase. Does your life please God? Are you fulfilling what he's called you to do? And Paul begins to say, don't let your works override the grace of God. The second trap that people fall in is in verse 9. And he says this, he says, there are those that actually leave, they, they take a side and they begin to plunge into the desires. It says this, those who want to get rich fall into temptation, into trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. So what Paul is doing is this, he's addressing this desire to get rich. Now, here's a disclaimer. I don't think everybody should be broke, busted. I don't think you should be out in the streets. I think God wants us to live life. God wants us to be taken care of. He's a good, good father. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. So download that song. You need that in your spirit. But he's a good father, and he wants to provide for us. But there's things that what Jesus is saying, what Jesus wants us to understand is that our desire to become rich should not demand all of our attention, but our desire to please God. And that's why it says so beautifully in Matthew chapter 6, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. That if I put God in my number one pursuits, that God is going to be faithful to provide for me because I love him and I called him. But he begins to talk about those that literally chase after treasure and they plunge headfirst. He said these are people that literally see something they desire and they literally push everything aside and they say, that's what I'm doing. How many of you guys got that friend that always is trying to get you into that pyramid scheme? He's always trying to say, hey, come over to my house. You want some Tupperware? You need some Tupperware. Like, bruh, I don't need no Tupperware. He's like, no, you need a thousand lids. Come on, I need to get you. But what Paul is addressing, he says, man, there are these people that will abandon and they'll allow their emotions and their desires to entice them. And they'll see something that they fancy and they'll run and they'll plunge after it. And in the process of chasing after it, they don't realize it's a trap. They're like, oh, this is beautiful. Oh, my God. She's so hot. Oh, my God. He's so handsome. 
And we chase after these things and we open the lid and we're realizing like, I wonder what's in here. Oh, all that debt. I like it. No, (laughs) but we chase after this treasure and that's how the enemy entices us. Because we allow our emotions to dictate our decisions. See, that's why you have to be careful before you run off and uproot your life and you move to that other city that you have godly people in your life. You got some friends that says, wait a minute, grass is not always greener on the other side. Could it be that you may be chasing something that is not going to happen, is not going to materialize, and a new zip code may not rearrange the chaos that is actually going on in your soul? Be careful what treasures you're chasing. And he says your emotions can get the best of you. And then Paul goes on and he says, but there's also other those that fall into the trap. And those are the wanderers. He says, those that are walking after the things of God, and they hear that little whisper, hey, how you doing? And it says, as they are focusing on God, they slowly begin to drift off track, and they wander and they fall into ruin. Now, I don't know if you've experienced this, but there's been people that have walked with God, and they have allowed their intellect, they allowed their thoughts. And not that God doesn't want us to be intellectual. God wants us to use our mind. But what they began to do is they begin to take God's word and use it to fit their lifestyle, use it to bend towards what they want to do, and they justify their activity. And then they begin to wander off from the path that God has for them. And Paul says, destruction is on the end of that trap. But Paul says this, Timothy, Timothy, I don't want you to do that. I want you to walk in a way that is actually pleasing to God. And let me just throw myself out on the table is that I'm the first person that challenges with being content. Sometimes I feel like I I don't have enough or there's more that I should be doing. And I'm the type of person that likes to work hard and make sure that I'm doing enough. I don't know if you can relate to this. But I always feel like I'm not doing enough. And even by faith, there are moments where I have to take a break and stop with the hustle of life. Do you know you need to take a Sabbath and even a Sabbath has to be done by faith? Because sometimes you have to stop and say, God, I'm going to stop doing stuff because this is an act of faith because I'm saying, God, I trust you enough that you're going to meet where I can't come through. God, in my lack, I know that you're going to show up right on time. And the funny thing about this is that kids reveal how much my desires are still caught up into these material possessions. The other day, my daughter, my youngest, Eliana, had a toy, and she took that toy out of the house, which I told her multiple times, don't take that toy out of the house, because I'm vicariously living through her life, because it was a toy that I wanted, but I bought for her, but it's really hers, and parents do weird things just like that. (laughs) But she took the toy out of the house. I'm saying, Ellie, don't take the toy out of the house. She took it out of the house, and I got mad, and I got angry. I'm like, Ellie, why did you take the toy out of the house? Because she's a kid. And for her, these material things don't matter. So why do they matter so much to me? And I get caught up and a child reveals in my own heart how much I get intertwined in these possessions. And Paul says, avoid the traps. Chase after true treasure. See, the thing that we have to understand is this, is that there are always two treasures. There's always a temporal treasure and an eternal treasure. And the temporal treasure, the temporary treasure that we can chase always requires all of you, but there's never anything on the other side of it. It doesn't fulfill. It doesn't satisfy. You get that thing. You get that item. And there's still this ache in your heart to say, I want more. And see, here's the thing is about temporary things. And Paul begins to challenge Timothy. He says, you as a man of God, as a woman of God, run from these things. Fight the good fight. For more information on how you can stay connected, follow us online or visit tfho.church. 